wandering sheep. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today will be taken from the reading in the Gospel of John as we hear the words of Jesus, I am the light of the world. You may be seated. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks again for bringing us here this morning that the light of Jesus' word might shine upon us and we might know the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that our church would be a place where your light shines forth so that others would come to know you and receive your word with joy. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. We are talking this morning about uh, Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. And uh, for you sitting over here this morning, you get to experience this in a whole different way because you're sitting right in the light. Lucky for you. All right. Now, as we get started here this morning, I'm going to got a question for you. We are about a month outside of Christmas now. And let me ask you a question. Who still has their Christmas lights up? Be honest. No? All right. Good for you. I'm, I'm very impressed. I'm not hating, though. If you have your lights up, I think that's great. I love those little Christmas lights, those twinkling lights we put on our homes during the darkest times of the year. They remind us there in the darkness when the darkness is longer than any other time of the year that light is still out there and the light cannot overcome those little twinkling lights. And I love it that time of year because it reminds us what Christmas is really all about, right? The light of the world entering into the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. Jesus coming into this world to be our light and to be our salvation. Well, I bring up Christmas light decorations today because as I was preparing for this message this week, I came across some pretty interesting information that I found. That we are not the first culture to decorate for holidays. But decorating for holidays goes all the way back even to Jesus' time. And we'll see that here this morning as we get into this passage today about Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. Now, Jesus made this statement when he was at a festival, a holiday celebration in Jerusalem, known as the Feast of Booths, or we might say the Feast of Tabernacles or Tents. The Feast of Booths was the time when uh, the Jews would celebrate the Exodus. They would remember the wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, and when God led them through the wilderness to take them to the Promised Land. Now, they would, uh, for this celebration, if you were unable to go to Jerusalem, uh, what the people would do is they would take little tents and they would decorate outside of their houses. They would put these tents up outside of their houses to remember their ancestors who lived in tents or booths uh, while they wandered through the wilderness for 40 years. And they would camp out in front of their homes for an entire week and it was a whole celebration for the whole community. That's pretty fun decorations. A uh, week-long camp out in front of the house. That's kind of fun. Now, if you were able to get to Jerusalem, you didn't have to bring the tents with you, but what you did there is you would see the menorahs lit, and we know the menorahs from Hanukkah. Uh, but they would light these menorahs, and these candles would be very bright. And it would remind the people that as the Israelites were in the wilderness, God led them through the wilderness in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. It was this light that they followed through this dark wilderness that brought them to the promised land. So Jesus is, you know, as it turns out, he knows what he's doing when he stands up at this festival and he says, I am the light 
of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is announcing to the hearers at that festival. He's announcing to his hearers today in Escondido, and he's announcing to his hearers throughout the world that he is the light we are to follow through this dark world of sin and death, and he will take us to the eternal life of resurrection, the life of the world to come. He is the light we are to follow in the darkness. And it doesn't take much, I think, for us to recognize that there is darkness in this world. There is darkness all around us. I don't think I have to make a big case for you this morning to demonstrate that there is sin and evil dominating, it would seem, in our world. Things are dark. We have our typical litany that we run through, the different ways that darkness affects us. Different places we see darkness, wars, uh, abortions, hatred, divorce, slander, fear, depression, uh, suicide, all kinds of struggles, sorrows, pain. Sometimes darkness is there because of sin. Sometimes we just suffer through the darkness. We're impacted by the darkness. But there is darkness all around us. And I think we need to be aware of this. It's not hard for us to recognize the darkness outside, out there, outside of these walls. But at times, I think for us as Christians, what we have to cope with is that the darkness still impacts us. That we still struggle with the darkness. It's not hard to see the darkness outside, over there. But it is a harder thing for us to confess that we ourselves are struggling with the darkness. That the darkness, despite our salvation, still seems to cling to us. We work very hard to prove that we are in the light, that we are holy and righteous, and we work so hard to prove that we've got it all put together. And I mean, you see this even on Sunday morning. We all come here trying to show just how put together our lives are. And we work so hard to prove ourselves that very often we stop focusing on Jesus. We keep focusing on ourselves. And, and I fear at times, if the church continues to act this way, we can begin to eclipse the light. We get so focused on boasting of our own holiness and our own righteousness that we get in the way of the light of Jesus Christ, the light that comes to give hope and forgiveness and salvation to sinners, even sinners like us. We get so focused on their sins over there, we don't confess our own sins and proclaim Jesus' hope and salvation. And I say this this morning because much of our text today, we deal with the religious leaders of Jesus' day. We deal with the Pharisees. And I always think for those of us who have been Christians for quite some time, uh, the Pharisees serve as a strong warning for us. Because the Pharisees worked very hard to eclipse the light of Jesus Christ. Now, in the particular reading today, as I mentioned already, Jesus has come to Jerusalem and he is preaching at this Feast of Booths. He's, he is shining the light for all to see, and he's become quite the topic of conversation. Many people are curious about this Jesus, and everybody's trying to figure out who he is. And many people are starting to believe that he very well could be the Messiah. He could be the Savior. But there's some confusion. They don't know all of his history. They don't know all the facts. And so some people say, well, look, this Jesus, he came from Galilee. And isn't the Messiah supposed to come from Bethlehem? Now, as it turns out, they didn't have any Christmas carols yet. They did not learn O Little Town of Bethlehem in their Lutheran Sunday School class. So they weren't sure uh, about where this Jesus had come from. They didn't have all the information. 
But the Pharisees, they heard this and they glommed on to it. And they said, listen, this man comes from Galilee and no prophet comes from Galilee. The, the, the Pharisees stand up to eclipse the light by saying, search and see for yourselves and you will find that no Messiah, no Savior comes from Galilee. Well, if you had taken the Pharisees up on their challenge and actually done a little research, you would have found that they were wrong. In fact, the Old Testament does prophesy that the Messiah will come from Galilee. If you go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, this is what it says. There will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In former time, God brought into contempt the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. And then Isaiah says this, it's very appropriate. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them the light has shined. The Pharisees say, no Messiah comes from Galilee. And Jesus stands up and says, I'm the light of the world who's coming to you from Galilee. The one Isaiah prophesied about. Now these Pharisees, they wanted to, to block this out. They didn't want people to see this Jesus. They wanted to get in the way of this Jesus. They tried to eclipse him. And because of this, I fear many people probably didn't follow Jesus. Many people uh, perhaps followed after the Pharisees. The Pharisees worked very hard there in that wilderness to develop their own idols, to create their own religious system for people to follow. And they put that in the way of Jesus. And so you have all these people wondering and all of these people questioning. And here now the clergy stand up and they get in the way of this Jesus. This is certainly a warning for us who are in the church. That we would not be a church that would eclipse Jesus, but rather reflect his light. This is something I fear for the church all the time. When you're in my business, you have to read a, a lot about why people leave the church. And there's any number of reasons why people leave churches. And, and the studies are, are, are going crazy right now because it seems as though uh, people leaving the church is like, it's like a trendy thing to do almost. And so they're constantly trying to figure out why are people leaving the church. And, and there's any number of reasons that arise, uh, but the ones that always drive me nuts, that, that cause me to fear and really question myself, is when people leave the church because they weren't loved. They had questions, really hard questions, and they were scowled at and looked down upon. They weren't given answers. They were told to, you know, shut up and believe. Or there were people who were struggling with sins, sins that we're not really comfortable with in the church. And so they were coming to people for help. They were coming for healing and forgiveness and hope. And the church just said to them, you better change or you don't belong here. And so they left. And in all of this, the church began to eclipse Jesus. There was no forgiveness. There was no hope. There was no healing. There was no light. But we in the church have to realize is that far too often we can look like the Pharisees to the world, eclipsing the light of Jesus. When in fact what we've been called to do is to reflect the light, to let the light shine forth, to not stand up and boast of our own righteousness and our own holiness, but to reflect the light of Jesus Christ, to stand up and confess our sins 
to admit that we too struggle with the darkness, to confess that we too have not been able to overcome, to confess that we too are weak and struggling and sorrowful and guilty and full of shame, and yet we have one who is light and hope and healing, Jesus Christ. Because the reality is the darkness is not just outside there, the darkness is inside of all of us, and we struggle with it and we fight against it, and we're having a difficult time, and we're just so scared to confess it because we're afraid other people will find us weak. Time to announce to the world that we are weak. And our strength is found only in Jesus Christ. We all need this Jesus, this pillar of fire, to come to us and guide us through this veil of tears into the kingdom of light. And so Jesus shows up. And he goes to the festival and he stands among the people and he speaks, us, he speaks up among us here today and Jesus comes and he just, he turns on the lights. And look at his ministry, look at the way Jesus did this. It was so wonderful that when Jesus showed up, he just began to combat the darkness. And I love the way Jim said it today, the darkness could not win. So Jesus comes on the scene and the darkness flees. He heals the sick, he raises the dead, he forgives sins, he calms the storms. He leads those who are bound to the darkness of sin and sorrow, pain and death, to a life of forgiveness, of hope, of healing, of light. He was the pillar of fire in the night that led them to the life that he had prepared for them. And he still is that today. And he still is that for you. All of us, no matter where we are, we need this Jesus to rescue us, to be our light of salvation. In this world, we're, we're much like uh, this story I heard. Uh, this happened last year, and I'm sure you remember this story from the past year. Uh, that story of those, uh, that Thai football team, that junior football team, did you hear this? They went wandering in the caves in Thailand one day, and, uh, and they got caught in a monsoon. Did you hear about this last summer? It was an amazing story. They got caught in this monsoon, and they were up on a cliff inside of this cave in the darkness, and there was no way out, and the water began to rise, and they didn't know how they were going to get out, and they couldn't figure out how they were going to rescue these kids, and it was just this terrifying situation. And there was no hope in that dark place until the rescue team arrived. And, and you, you got to go online and read all this. I don't have time to tell you the whole story today, but the way they figured out how to save these kids is quite remarkable. But they had this rescue team of all kinds of divers from all over the world, uh, including many Navy SEALs. And there was no hope for these kids until the SEALs showed up. And when the Navy SEALs arrived, it was wonderful. They, though they were in the darkness, the arrival of these SEALs meant hope. They were the light that they had to follow out. Once the seals showed up, the kids were cared for, fed, nourished, and apparently even entertained. Now they had hope. Now there was light and life ahead of them. And the Navy SEALs saved them. There in that dark place, the arrival of these rescuers, this was their light. In this dark world, that is what Jesus Christ is for you. That is what his word is for you while you and I struggle and face the darkness and we seem to have no way out. The word of God finds us and it gets us and it rescues us and it lights the way to hope and everlasting life. So what do you struggle with? What sort of darkness are you facing today? The Lord Jesus Christ has a word for you. He has light to shine in your life. 
Do you have insecurity? Are you terrified about the future? Do you not know what's going to happen next and it cripples you? Are you afraid of life? Jesus comes to you and shines light on you today and says this, I am with you always to the end of the age. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Maybe you are here this morning and you are facing financial struggles. You're frightened because you're struggling with work. You're trying to find work. You're struggling because you don't know where the next paycheck is coming from. And again, the future looks scary. And to you, Jesus turns the lights on today and says, Have no fear, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Look at the lilies of the field, how God clothes them, and the birds of the air, how he feeds them. How much more do you matter to him than them, O you of little faith? He will care for you. Many of us are facing illnesses, suffering, death. We have loved ones who are struggling through any number of issues right now of this nature. We're mourning the loss of someone we love. And it is that light-filled voice of the promise that cries, death is swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The power of sin is death. Excuse me, I lost the verse there. That's why you got to learn memory work when you're in confirmation. Death is swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Jesus comes, and thanks be to God that he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. For whether we live or we die, we belong to the Lord. And if you are entangled in sin, if you are here today and you're continuing to struggle with the sin that you thought you'd overcome and yet it continues to rise up, There's sin all around you and you're just too painfully aware of it. And the light shines on you and exposes your guilt and it hurts. If that is you today, it's the Lord Jesus who looks upon you and says, Fear not, for I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And my blood was shed for you. So repent of that, for I forgive you. You see, it is the light of Jesus Christ that shines on our lives and gives us hope in this dark world. And it is my prayer that our church would be a congregation that would reflect that light into the world, that the world would know that this is a place they can come and be cared for with the light of Jesus Christ. For it is his light that will continue to shine upon you this day and for your life from here on out. For Jesus says to you today, I am the light of the world. You are the world that I am lighting up. Follow me, and I will lead you through this veil of tears into life everlasting. For Jesus says, I am the light of life for you. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks that Jesus is our light. We pray, O Lord, that you would forgive us for the times where our lives may have eclipsed your gospel. Have mercy on us for this, Lord, and cause us to reflect your light so others might come to know of your love and your mercy. Grant us your grace and keep us faithful to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.